As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Joelle Steiniger. And I'm Michael Saka. Today we talked to Tony Cappert, the co-founder of Contactually. Uh, guys, what did you think? Um, I really liked hearing how methodical they were. Um, he said that they're so metrics driven and they kind of have this grinded out mentality. And that doesn't sound super sexy usually, but when you go from a 5% conversion rate to a 25% conversion rate, I think they're doing something right. Yeah, and as an extension of the metrics, they take those and let them drive the compensation of their sales team and the customer success team, which is something that we haven't really gotten into yet with other sales-focused episodes. So it was great to have him open up about how all that works. Yeah, and he he talked a lot about the sales process and building a sales team. So if anyone's interested in that, it's a great episode for that. So let's get into it. 
We'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover makes managing and purchasing domain names simple and easy. This week, we talked to one of the customer service reps, Roger, about the strangest call he's ever gotten on the job. I think I think the strangest support call uh, that I can remember uh, was from a poor customer that had somehow gone to our website and bought themselves a personalized email address and then contacted us back again to say that they, you know, they didn't feel the need that they had to purchase this service when they just needed, you know, parts for their vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Get 10% off your entire first order by using the code SATISFIEDCUSTOMERS, all one word, at Hover.com. Chargeify makes setting up and managing your recurring revenue or subscription business incredibly simple. Anyone who's ever set this up from scratch knows just how much work it really is. Let Chargeify handle your customer signups, onboarding, billing, and retention, so you can focus on what's most important, growing your business. If you go to Chargeify.com forward slash Rocketship, they're offering 20% off three months exclusively for Rocketship listeners. That's Chargeify.com forward slash Rocketship. CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. For those of you just getting started, CodeShip has a generous free plan with five private projects included and 100 builds per month. Not enough? You get 20% off three months just for being a Rocketship listener. Plus, the team over at CodeShip spent the past few months talking to customers and just launched a complete redesign of their app with better usability. Go to CodeShip.com slash Rocketship to sign up today. Contactually is a, is a SaaS product that helps people build really strong, authentic relationships with the people that matter most to them. I think from a personal perspective, you know, that, that, that's a statement I think that resonates with a lot of people, right? You want to stay in touch with your friends and family. But what we found is there are a lot of professionals out there, especially people who get a lot of sales from their network directly, think like realtors or financial advisors. They desperately need something that will help them stay engaged with those people that will send them referrals or send them repeat business. And that's exactly what we help people do. So you're one of three founders, I believe, right? That's right. Yep. So tell me about your role when you were starting out. What were kind of the hats that you were wearing at the time? Sure. Yeah, I was the uh, non-developer of the three of us. So uh, there's Jeff and Zvi and myself. I was a product manager at Microsoft before, so I'm not totally non-technical. But I think thinking about sales or marketing or support or anything that wasn't building the product, that all fell under me. And, and I think initially that was probably a lot of customer development and a lot of figuring out, well, how do we even get people to the site? And that evolved over time to answering questions like, well, how do we build out these other teams that we're going to need eventually, including you know, marketing, sales, and support. And, and so today I, I spend a lot of my time helping to manage those VPs, but started off kind of building out those initial processes early on. What did that look like when you were, like, let's take the sales. What did that look like when you were building out that sales team? Were you doing the sales and how did, how did you scale it? It, it? Initially, it's a couple of things to note. One, I'm not a sales guy by background at all. So I think I felt a huge amount of, it just felt scary, right, to actually build out a sales team. It just, it sounds like a very complicated thing. And especially as a non-sales guy, I felt like, well, I don't really know what I'm doing. I should probably try to outsource this. And so we had a number of false starts, I think, initially. I mean, we'd hired a consultant thinking this would be like a silver bullet bullet solution to just Mm -hmm. do the sales for us. And he didn't close any sales. Um, (laughs) And then, (laughs) so 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 that wasn't the, the answer. I think it, you know, it started from, look, I was talking to customers all the time, just trying to learn about them, learn what they wanted from Contactually, learn what their problems were with the software. And initially, the product was in like a private beta, so it was free. So we're getting all this this free this feedback from people that were using it for free. And we really, I think, honed a lot of the 
product based on that feedback. But I think we eventually asked ourselves when we did turn the pricing wall on, what could we do to actually close more sales? And eventually we started going uh, down the path of building up the team. But that, yeah, I think it just started from let's turn those customer development calls into quasi sales calls. And we went from there. So were most of your sales outlets just cold calling people or were you starting with an email? Like what did that look like in the very beginning? Uh, yeah, good question. So we were really fortunate from the start that we got a, a lot of inbound leads. Well, I don't know if we'd say a lot, but we had maybe 30 or 40 people every day signing up for trials on the site. And those leads were coming from a host of sources. I think primarily, uh, one, we've always partnered with other websites and other people who sell to our types of customers, like other consultants who sell to realtors. And we would do webinars together and do blog posts together. And that would generate a lot of traffic from that type of content. We also did integrations with people with uh, places like Salesforce and the Chrome store and Google Apps Marketplace. We got a lot of leads from there. So we always had leads. We never did any cold calling at all. And so the question became, well, at the time, those leads were converting like 5% of leads that signed up for a trial were converting to paid. And that felt low to us. We didn't really have a lot of reason to think that, but it felt low. And so we asked the question, what could we do to juice that number? Right? How can we get that higher? The one answer was, can we find better leads? The other answer was, can we actually convert those leads at a higher rate? So we tried to optimize that latter piece first, which we felt, I mean, if we could talk to people and actually relay the value of actually better, help them really get started well in their first 30 days, they would probably convert at a higher rate. And that's what we started to see when we started talking to folks. And what was the sales timeline like? I mean, were you talking to people and by the end of one call, it was a yes or a no, or were these kind of longer conversations that you were having? Our product in general, especially in the early days, was pretty simple. Right? At its simplest, it's just software that would look at, you know, it connects to your email accounts, connects to your phone, connects to your social media accounts. It looks at the people you haven't talked to in a long time that you've told us are important. And it says, you know, hey, Michael, follow up with Bob and Nancy. So that's the product itself is fairly simple. And the pricing as a result was fairly straightforward. I think we, when we first launched with very limited features, it was like 10 and $20 a month. And so the sales cycle as a result wasn't very long. It was people were just sort of, they wanted to get a feel for the product in, a, in like a couple days or a couple weeks. And then they were, and we gave them a 30 day trial. Some point, in the middle or towards the end of that trial, they would say, yeah, you know what? I think this is going to fit my needs. I'm going to convert. And so our goal wasn't to like take them through this really long sales process. It was instead to just help them get some initial value right away, kind of reach that tipping point and then say, well, it sounds like you're getting value. Why don't you just upgrade over the phone with me now? Do you have a credit card? And that's what we would do. And we got a lot better at that over time, but it kind of just started from, from that initial piece. So you were taking the credit cards over the phone? Yeah, I don't know first? if that sounds weird or not, but yeah, people were very comfortable with that. Oh, um, cool. Yeah. They, you know, I think we, we pitched it, I think originally we called ourselves customer gurus. That was the sales team that we had built out. And we took that from Constant Contact. That's what they called their team originally. And, and I think we didn't call them salespeople because in reality, they really were doing, and still today, do a lot of coaching and consulting. I think we were earning the trust of our customers because we weren't trying to ram contactually down anyone's throat from the start, but instead we were trying to understand what their needs are or were and how it actually could add value, people started to trust us. And we built this relationship with our customers that during the trial, if we are really helping them get value, it's not all that weird to give us, you know, to, to enter a credit card over the phone because they, you know, they, they trust us and we're trying to really just make it easier for them to continue to get value. That was the original thought. You know, some people obviously don't like to do it, in which case we just send them a link and they drop in their credit card over, you know, online. But yeah. we, it worked. 
When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. So how did you initially begin to build out that sales team? I alluded already to the fact that you know I was already talking to customers and we kind of had this inclination that if we just talk to more of them during their trial, we would probably get them to convert at a, at a higher rate because mm-hmm. you know, they would set it up better and uh, we would try to try to get them to convert. And so, again, didn't have any experience hiring salespeople. We had tried working with that consultant. It worked so well. But what we had done is we'd hired a few people on Odesk doing our support. And we asked ourselves, well, why couldn't we hire other people on Odesk to run sales, right? To, to, to essentially do what we've been doing internally. Um, the thought process being with Odeskers, we found, you know, Odesk is a site you can outsource for freelance talent. We, we tested a bunch of different types of people and countries. We found that folks in the Philippines were a really good fit because they understood American culture. They spoke English pretty well, but were still, you know, a much more you know, cheaper resource. Generally, the people we were hiring were between five and $10 an hour. And so we did that. We hired our first, one of our support per people, Penny. She's still with the company. Actually, she's been with us for two and a half years. We hired her and uh, moved to her. We said, hey, Penny, we, you've been doing great on support. Why don't you try this out in sales? And she would literally just call, try to call all of these customers that signed up. I think she had some sales experience, but not a ton. And we didn't we didn't know how to coach her or train. So it was very, I'm sure, I'm sure those calls weren't fantastic, but it was a start. And it kind of gave us the confidence to say, okay, well, we kind of can, we can start here. We, I, would, I would listen to Penny's calls. We would record some of those calls. We would say, hey, this sounds great or it doesn't sound great. And we would just iterate on that process. I think a couple of things we learned right away. One, it really wasn't that scary, right? It, it, it just, it was the same as anything else in the business. We hadn't done it before, but we just tried it out and it actually did up conversion. And so we continued to do it. But two, and I think what was really important is while we thought Penny was doing a good job, we didn't know to what degree, you know, was she the 95th percentile good or was she like the 60th percentile good? And so we started hiring other reps pretty close thereafter. In fact, we hired a second rep maybe within a month. And I think that was super important to be able to compare those two to see, you know, are they, is, is Penny really exceptional? She is really exceptional, by the way. That's why we continue to work with her. But we found by comparing it allowed us to get some confidence that this wasn't just a one-time fluke. Okay. And that's the kind of how it scared it, scaled. It, it, I think it, it worked and we continue to go from there. Did your customers on the phone know that she was in the Philippines? I don't think so, right? So, we, okay. so even today, our our setup at actually is not all that sophisticated. You know, we're a team of almost 50 people now. Then and now, we still use Skype. Then and now, we bought everyone numbers in D.C. And so we bought we used Skype. We had D.C. phone numbers. Looked like they were coming from the U.S. We bought them like $14 subscriptions so they could call any a month so they can call anywhere in the world, unlimited minutes. And like I said, people in the Philippines generally, you know, they have a slight accent, but that's about it. And so, you know, I think people maybe suspected sometimes, but it was never an issue or I would say it was very, very, very rarely wasn't an issue with any customer. And so it worked out. And like I said, the benefits I listed earlier far outweighed those, those uh, costs we thought. You've now built a team of, of 50. Where's your sales team today? Are, are they in DC? Are they overseas? What's the mix look like? 
Yeah, so the company overall is about 50 people. Um, the sales team, I think, is just about a dozen, maybe 14 people. We found initially, one, we wanted to bring on people that maybe had some greater sales experience. And two, we wanted to better invest in the people that we were hiring from a training and just improving their sales skills. And that probably meant we were going to have to hire a U.S.-based team. So we started hiring our, our sales team in the U.S. starting – so we've hired a Odesker, we hired Penny, I think, in – mid to late 2012, hired our first um, U.S. rep in early 2013. And today that team is exclusively based in the U.S. So Penny and, and other folks on the on the initial Filipino team doing sales, they're still with us. They're still great, great folks for the team. They're just focused more on support today, more answering people's questions and, and doing the ticketing. We're getting a lot more lift from the sales team that way. And and Penny and her, her, her crew in the Philippines doing support is, are still able to offer that great support experience with, with contractors. So that's what we do today. I'm happy to go into much more detail around the tactical stuff we learn and improve. But uh, yeah, having it in the U.S., I think if nothing else, gave us the time to really focus and improve that team. And as a result, conversion rates improved dramatically. We went from you know 5% conversion originally to about a 25 or 28% today conversion. So pretty drastic improvement by doing that. So back when you hired Penny, was she on her own to figure out how to sell the product? Or did she have guidance from someone who'd been there before? She and I were working really closely together. So I guess that was probably the main guidance she was getting. And, you know, I and the rest of the small, you know, five or six people at that point, we all knew the product really well. We felt what we knew why our customers were were buying. So we would sit down and, and work with her on those things. But I think over time, you know, she got to learn our product really well and knows it really well now. And so it wasn't, yeah, she, she was able to, I think, to, to pitch the value prop well. And how long had you been operating before you started to do sales? Yeah, so we started the company in fall 2011. We're three and a half years old now. We first pricing launched, I think, in April or May of 2012. Brought Penny on the fall of that year, 2012. Initially, like I said, in support and then shortly thereafter into sales. So I think we probably started that sales experiment at the end of 2012 and then hired our first U.S.-based sales hires um, in early 2013. Since then, kind of just give you the quick timeline. 2013, we hired four people on our sales, or, yeah, four or three, three people on the sales team in 2013. So it was still pretty small, and it wasn't really until this past year, 2014, that we took the three people and really we hired a VP of sales and really started to to ramp that effort. And today, that team, like I said, is about a dozen. We split both the inbound leads, which are primarily individuals and small teams, and we've built out an enterprise team that's going after those much larger accounts. That that in and of itself was a big shift as well, going from just SMB to enterprise. But like I said, overall, we're starting to hit our stride. You mentioned you've grown to 50 people in the past couple of years. Do you attribute a lot of that to refining the sales process or were there some major product changes that you think contribute to that as well? Look, the, the product has definitely gotten better over time. And I think that certainly, I think they don't, it's not a one or the other. I think everything kind of contributes together. But one of the elements, I don't know how, 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 how unique this is to contextually, but one of the elements that stands out about our company is we're very metrics focused or very revenue focused. And so we've always had just sort of a grinded out mentality that, well, you know, we've got to keep the lights on and we've got to grow our revenue. And so what's the best way to do that? Well, let's like really figure out this sales process. So we definitely put a lot of effort into doing that. Yeah, I don't know if I would say sales is like the primary thing that's led to our success, but certainly growing revenue at the rate we have. Um, we grew, we were, grew three and a half X last year. Um, that has been a major driver, if not the number one driver for sure. So how do you guys deal as you're bringing on more salespeople? How do you get them up to speed with all of the questions that come up with the product and, and with the actual value prop to the, that seems to work with your customers? 
so this question, how do we get our, how do we get the team up to speed so they can work well with customers? As you onboard new people. Yeah. Right. My hunch is that a lot of companies don't do this well, and we certainly were one of them. We we were awful at onboarding the team originally. Luckily, we hired some really great people early on and continued to hire great people. So I think they were willing to put up with with our growing pains. But I remember our first couple sales hires is one guy, Brent, it was Brent, Nick, and Susan. And I remember and taking them aside and, and when they first joined, and it was like day two. And it was like, okay, guys, we're getting on the phones. <laughs> we're just going to make calls. <laughs> and, and, these, and they were also, this was their first uh, sales jobs as well. And so I think that you could kind of see the the deer in the headlights like a little bit. But I think, honestly, that kind of that throwing in the deep end mentality was really helpful early on. And I think they, we kind of figured it out. We were all figuring it out together. I think it would be, I would be remiss to say that I had any great vision or plan or really knew what we were doing. I think it was a lot of, let's just test how this works out and see where it goes. And, and luckily, like I said, the folks that we brought on were really hungry and, and really great about helping us learn with that process. The, on, on that note, because we didn't touch too much about it in terms of who those salespeople were, because I think it was a little daunting for us to, to hire that U.S.-based sales team. We didn't we 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 didn't want to hire you know, your typical like you know slimy sales guys. I mean, like weren't a, like that type of mentality you think of like a salesperson. We thought well, the things that we really cared about would be people that really cared about customers or really wanted to make them better, wanted to make them more successful. And two, people that were really coachable and adaptable, right? People that maybe they would, you know, the people we hired, none of them had sales experience, but the thought process was, well, if we can just work with them and train them and if they're, they really want to get better, that they're going to grow as the company grows and matures and, and they're going to help shape this, this sales team. And we continue to use that model and it worked really, really well. I think, you know, we didn't bring in people that had a lot of ego or had a, like a predefined idea of what sales was going to look like. They came in thinking, you know what, like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I really want to learn and I really want to work hard. And I think that was a really, really critical decision to helping not only form the company's success, right? Because these were really great hires, but helping to form that sales culture that we have today, which is not cutthroat, is much very, very collaborative. People want to help each other, even though you know they are commission-based and we do kind of compare people's performance. It's a really, really healthy environment. I think it stems from hiring those type of people. No, that's very cool. Can you talk us through how you get your leads, where your leads come from, even what that sales process looks like? Do you have like a drip campaign? Is it a, a quick call follow up so that people can kind of understand where the sales team is is getting these numbers from? Sure. So um, I shared initially that we were getting you know leads from very early on from those other sources I, I mentioned earlier. Right. One of the things that I think was a really key move for us in mid 2013 is we used to view it as we got to get the leads to the site and we've got to convert them. And, it, and that was it. If they don't convert, too bad. And what we, you know, we hired a VP of marketing in, uh, I guess, the spring of 2013. And she really helped shift our mindset from trying to convert those leads right away to sales and instead trying to figure out there's going to be a mix of leads. And some people are very far down the purchase funnel and they're ready to mm -hmm. buy, they're ready to trial. Some people aren't. And the people that aren't, we should capture them on some sort of form, capture their interest with some with a piece of content and then nurture them along. And that's what we continue to do today. So we, we bought HubSpot as a marketing automation system. We continue to produce a lot of great content and we nurture. Now we've got 100,000 plus, if not 200,000 plus people that we're just nurturing at various points of the buy cycle that kind of engage with us somewhere on our site, our blog, wherever else. And we're trying to get them eventually to trial. Now, when they hit trial, they've got a 30-day trial. And so that's where the sales team comes into the picture. And much like it was you know, two years ago, the goal is still pretty straightforward. They sign up for a trial. 
we our goal right away is to get them on a call with one of our sales reps and the rep is really trying to figure out you know what's your goal with our product what are you trying to do how can how can you be successful with contactually and generally people are saying things like i want to get more referrals i, I want to better engage my network to nurture leads that are maybe earlier in the buy cycle that type of thing and then we kind of suggest the features that we think will be really good for them. We help them set up templates, help them set up programs and features and that type of thing. And that's so they really are that coach or consultant. Maybe they have one call like that and they'll connect on another one or two calls. Ultimately, that final call is to say, well, it looks like you told me you wanted to do X and you did X. Sounds like this is going to be a great fit. I'd love to get you signed up on one of our plans. And generally, the rep is trying to push them on an annual plan so they stick around longer and is trying to get them to, to convert right away. On, like over the phone to put a credit card down. And that's the process. Once they close, then that rep, you know, emails them and says, hey, it's great working with you, hands it off to someone on our customer success team, uh, makes that warm introduction. And then customer success is responsible from there to to really, as the name implies, ensure success of the customer long term, make sure they, they, they stick around. We retain them for as long as possible for years in the future. And uh, hopefully we can get some referral business from them too. So that's kind of how our teams are structured end to end and where sales fits in. How do you incentivize the annual signups? It's worth more money, and so the teams receive part of their fairly hefty chunk of their com- of their compensation is commission. We do what's the expected annual value of this deal? So if a deal signs up for twenty dollars a month and they're paying it for it annually up front, that's just twenty by twelve or two forty a year. So that's worth two forty. But if it's a monthly deal, then we try to figure out, given the current churn rate for that type of plan, what's the expected value of that plan at the end of the year? And it's worth something less, maybe like 180 or 190. And so as a result, we're looking at the expected values of the annual plans, and that's how their commission is based. So it's in their interest to close more annual, which is also in the interest of the company to close more annual deals. And so we think it's pretty well aligned that way. So does the commission recur, or is it just the upfront? Single payment. Yeah, it's upfront. I think you know, we debated that a lot early on. I think the it gets really messy and complicated to try to uh, do anything recurring. So now they pay get X percent of the deal upfront, and it's generally worth you know a month or two of the of the business. That's it. It's just upfront. Now, of course, there's a little bit of a problem with that, which is if you it sort of negatively incentivizes the team to potentially close a lot of business that, that may churn out soon. Right. If you're totally comped on just closing business, even if it turns out a month from now, that's not very healthy. And that is something that I think we've got to we, that we do monitor. What we found is given the team that we've hired, we haven't seen a lot of that gaming. So that's one element. I think it goes back to the hiring process Two, because churn is baked into the way they're comped for those monthly plans. It sort of indirectly motivates them to bring on good customers. Not bad. Right. If they start closing a bunch of deals that have very high churn, the expected value of those deals is going to go down. Uh, the annual value, which means they're not going to, you know, it disincentivizes them to do it. Does that make sense? Uh-huh. So then is uh, customer success salaried or are they incentivized by how long they keep customers around? Yeah. So customer success, I think there's a, there's a, there's a debate of people who run teams like this as to what makes the most sense. Um, my personal thought and what I think I hear the most often is customer success should primarily be salaried with a performance-based bonus based on retention. And that's exactly how we do it. So unlike sales, which is not it's close more like 60 40 salary commission customer success would be more like 90 10 and it's all about retention it's not about it's not about selling it's not about upsell it's strictly retention yeah is the retention tied to how do you tie them to individual customers so every for a customer success every every 
person on that team owns a set of accounts. Okay. And so we literally track those accounts. We track how they churn out. And everyone – so we can see you know, Susan versus Finn versus Michael. You know, how are your – you had X number, let's say 300 or 400 accounts at the start of the month. And now of those existing accounts, there's – I don't know, X percent left. We have goals for those number of accounts that they're supposed to retain, and it's tied to that bonus. That's how we do it. I think that's – I don't know if it's perfect, um, and that's been, that's been a work in progress. The customer success team is the youngest team on our, in, in the organization. We didn't build it until 2014, but I think that makes sense. I think it's trying to align. That whole team is trying to make people successful. The thought process is that if customers are successful, they're going to stick around. So we think that's the right metric to track their performance. Can you tell us anything that any of the, I guess, kind of strategy that they use to keep customers around? Like what tools do they have to keep customers when they may churn? Sure. Well, I think before we, you can do anything, you have to figure out, well, why are your customers churning? Mm-hmm. And so we used to just email everyone to churn. Now we have a required form you fill out and you have to tell us why are you churning and give us some written description. And it used to be that people would say things like, price is too high or there's lots of bugs and whatnot. And that's pretty much, it's not zero, but that's reduced pretty significantly over the past six months to a year. And today people churn out for two reasons, either, you know, they say they're not getting value from the product and then, which is kind of a nebulous meaning as to what that really means. Uh, But the second thing we always hear is they're just not using it that much, which is probably the real answer to that first one, right? If they're not getting value, it's because they're not really using it. And mm. so we hear that and we say, okay, well, clearly if we can get people to use the product and not only use it, but get real value from it, get some success from it, that we're going to keep those customers. And so all of our customer success efforts are all about how can we onboard people really well from the start so they kind of know what they're doing and they're, they're fully capable to utilize the value contextually. And ongoing, how can we touch base with them occasionally, either through email or through webinars or through phone calls, to continuously answer their questions and show them the value that can actually provides and make sure that they're still getting value from our product. And if that's the case, right, if they are getting value, people don't leave, right? Our, our product ROI, if you're using it, you're spending, you know, $40 or $60 a month and you're closing, you're getting referrals that are worth $30,000 a year. So the ROI is extreme as long as you're using it. Oh, that's very cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we hadn't really heard about that side. So that's really good to hear. So where can we keep up with you and Contactually online? Contactually, I know it's sort of a mouthful, but obviously you can follow us, follow our Twitter account or check out our website. It's just contactually.com. Tell people it's like contact and actually had a baby called Contactually. (laughs) So that's where you can follow us. You can follow me. I'm also on there. I check a lot of our, our I'm on our blog content quite a bit. Or you can follow me on Twitter. My last name is Capert, C-A-P-P-A-E-R-T, at Twitter. Awesome. And we'll, uh, we'll include everything in the show notes too. So thank you so much for coming on. Yeah, thank you guys. Really, really had a great time. Still looking for more entrepreneurial insights to grow your business? Check out the Bowery Capital Startup Podcast, where this week they talked to Will Baston of ClearSlide on making the most of SaaS trials. Check out this clip. I think the, the real learning that took place early on was um, how important it was to truly understand the workflow of your customer that you're selling to. Um, you know, I think, or, you know, Maybe this was a, a naivety of being right out of school. You're thinking, hey, I can just pitch you this product, and you'd be like, wow, this is awesome. Uh, you should instantly see it and right. want to buy it That's and use it. Right? That's not the case. <laughs> that is not the case. 
Um, until you learn every aspect of their process and you know where you fit in between, uh, you really can't uh, convey that value uh, as well as probably you I mean as well as you need to. Search for Bowery Capital Startup Sales Podcast in iTunes to listen to this episode and so many more. They've created a fantastic resource and are releasing new episodes every week. So go subscribe today. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And make sure to check out our app discount section where we feature discounts from amazing companies like Treehouse, Wistia, Woo Themes, all giving you exclusive discounts for being a Rocket Ship listener. So go to rocketship.fm forward slash essentials. Brown boy, brown boy, what's up with that sound boy? Why boom, bye bye? They just getting down, boy. Something like Akbar. I should wear a crown, boy. The shit I admit, but I'm not a fucking clown boy. I'm about chicks, sometimes it's politics Sometimes I like them thick, sometimes I like them fit Sometimes I need a hit, sometimes I need to get A little something heavy to deal with all the shit Get low, now I'm in the corner of the club No old friends, no new friends, love Made enough friends, like I play in the Rams Made enough friends, ain't no room in the bins Get hype, boy, I be rhyming like bus Trust, the rap shit, this be nothing to us Pass a Kavazzi, yeah, baby, just jump Yeah, I got that water like a camel riding in the hump Get low, now I'm fucking sick Sad again, bro. Need another drink, or I'll be going mad again. Mad about you, and I'm on my Helen Helen hunt. But I'm in the corner, and I'm smoking on this on this blunt. Get hype, girl. You don't know him like me.